welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by collegealternative.org presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Josh Flaherty, about as Irish as it gets, right? Josh is an adventure recovery lead guide, an avid outdoor educator, and he brings 15 years of experience as an executive in the entertainment industry to his expertise. Starting at William Morris Endeavor and then serving as a top manager and marketing executive at 10th Street Entertainment, Josh managed numerous multi-platinum recording artists, including Blondie, Motley Crue, Papa Roach, and Steven Tyler. Simultaneously, he created and implemented multiple integrated cross-marketing campaigns for recording albums, tours, books, and many other events with companies such as H&M, LVMH, Marc Jacobs, Gucci, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Major League Baseball, and the Smithsonian. Josh has a passion for recovery and mental health, and his career and clinical expertise in the field fulfills his calling. He began as a client with Adventure Recovery in 2018 and progressed through AR's guide training program. Josh is actually the first person in AR history to transition from client to guide. Josh received his master's of social work from Fordham University and his experience and contacts in the recovery community, the entertainment industry and corporate America inform the breadth and vision of the work that he does at AR. As executive director, he manages operations, staff supervision and participates on the executive team driving strategic growth and development. Also, in case you missed it, episode 183 with Tim Walsh, you want to go back and check that out because Josh and Tim actually work together at AR. But let's not wait any longer. Here's Josh. Okay, Josh, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for carving out some time to actually be sitting in front of a computer. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to chat with you. I'm super excited. So I I was just saying offline that I like kind of remember of the like, you know, Cliff Notes version of some of your emerging adult experiences, but I'm super excited to kind of dive into like hearing more. So let's just jump right in and actually you tell tell the listeners where did you grow up and then what was the messaging that you were receiving kind of in the community in which you were raised as well as uh, from your parents about post-secondary education? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a fairly affluent suburb of Kansas City, um, Kansas City, Missouri being the city, even though like my little suburb is in Kansas, people are always sort of questioning, did you Kansas, Missouri? Anyway, I lived in Kansas. Um, and the messaging around post-secondary education from both like my family and the school district that I was in was that like college was unquestionably the next step. There there was no other option, you know, from a very early age, you know, it was, it was made very clear to me that, that post high school graduation, like I would be going to college and, you know, it was competitive uh, in my school as to who could, you know, get into the sort of elite colleges. I went to public school, right? Um, my high school, you know, my graduating class was around 500. But, you know, the top, you know, 5 to 10% of those of my class, myself included, like went to, you know, notable, notable universities. 
So that was that was my story. Um, my both my parents um, went to undergrad and graduate school. Um, my mom actually went to undergrad at the school that I ended up attending for undergrad. So yeah, it was um, there was no <laughs> no real other option. <laughs> And that you're, I mean, I guess you were technically considered a legacy then, right? Because you're going to the school. I was considered a legacy. Um, yeah. And, and <laughs> eventually, like, if my kids want to go there, they will be like a double legacy. So that, you know, all that stuff came into play for sure. We'll talk about your transition then, because obviously you kind of set us up. You ended up going to the same school for undergrad. That you, That's where your mom graduated from. So what was your transition into college life like? You know, I mean, I had I had a good amount of freedom, I think, as, you know, a junior and senior in high school. And, and you know, I've, I've talked about this in, in my, I guess, in my recovery story, right, that as long as the outside, it didn't really matter what sort of the inside looked like. And I was really good at making the outside look good, you know, um, really good grades, you know, popular athletics, all that, all that stuff, right. And, you know, I would, drink in high school regularly, you know, use drugs in high school regularly, but get away with it. Right. And that was the transition to college. Like there was, there was no sort of, I didn't struggle at all. Like I was ready to leave home. Um, I was ready for the independence. Right. I wanted to get away from the Midwest. I went to, I ended up going to college in Boston and I wanted to be in the Northeast, you know, and, you know, quickly found my group of friends at college, right? That we stayed group of friends from the beginning of freshman year all the way through senior year. Um, joined a fraternity, like kind of did, you know, did the whole, the whole, that route, but, but same in college, right? It was like, as long as grades were good and it looked good on the outside, you know, everyone would sort of keep their eyes off of what was going on behind the scenes. And I feel like you're kind of teeing us up. Like at some point, there's got to be this like at some ex- point, expo- right. exposure, right? Of like, oh my gosh, what's happening on the inside is like really yeah. not matching what's on the outside. And I don't think I was ever adequately prepared to deal with that, you know? And yeah, I mean, it, it took, like I was able to maintain that kind of, double life for for a number of years but eventually eventually that collision happened and um you know it took me it took a lot to reconcile that and to overcome that and you know that's been a lot of the work I've done in recovery still to this day right now having you know some good sober time under my belt but dealing with that duality of am I really being authentic in like how I present myself to the outside world. Yeah. Like actually having to be totally in touch with like what's going on in the inside too. That honesty is hard sometimes to acknowledge. So did you make it all the way through to graduation from college and, or or like did, did this collision take place? No, no, no. hundred percent. I graduated, uh, you know, magna cum laude from college, um, got into, the entertainment business after college um, and worked in that industry for started in television and then moved over to, to music specifically like music management and worked in that, you know, arena for a good 
10, 15 years. First time I went to treatment, probably, let's see, I was 33. So that's 12-ish years post-graduation. Um, and that was, you know, from from then until I finally really, you know, got a hold of things. Um, went to treatment, you know, several more times. But yeah, I mean, I, I was able to kind of dance that dance for a long time and was very successful doing so. You know, I mean, I, I had a really successful career in the music business and um, managed some very high profile artists. And it was, again, as long as it looked good on the outside, like it didn't matter that I was, you know, drinking constantly and amongst other things, right? Yeah. So back to the story. I think it's actually kind of interesting because the I would say the majority of the guests that are on this show will talk about how they that transition, right? Those emerging adult years, really like 18 to 23, 25, whatever. Usually the hiccups take place during the college years. Like, oh shit, yeah. it gets so serious. But every once in a while, I do get somebody on the show that's like, I managed to make it all the way through to graduation. And I also had a career. Yeah. I was thriving, or at least from the outside, it looked like you're thriving. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate you being honest and just talking about like, this I think is also the parent's vision, right? Of like, you have not just a college student who goes to college right after high school, but you graduate in four years or soon after you get a career, you're self-sufficient and parents are like, look at my kid, right? Like they're fantastic. Yeah, made it. Right. Yeah. Which is like, but you're saying it's such a facade. So Oh man, let's jump into then like what happened because you were kind of alluding, you went to treatment a few times before it finally took. So what was, let's actually talk more about kind of the meat of that, not so much the treatment experience, but what were some of the employment changes during that time? Because I'm assuming, well, I think it's fair for me to make the assumption you're not in the music business anymore. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I want to sort of go back a little bit to just the, I think really high school and collegiate environment I was in, which was sort of success looks like this, right? Success looks like lots of money and power and prestige and people know who you are and you run in certain circles, right? And I bought fully into that. You know, like I, I wanted that and I chased that and I got that, you know, you know, lived in Manhattan, really nice apartment, house in the Hamptons, the whole thing. Right. But I was not fulfilling anything meaningful for me in terms of, I think, like my core values, what really, you know, what really filled my soul as a person, you know. And yeah, and, and as I leaned heavier and heavier on substances to cope with the discomfort of those feelings and other, you know, areas of my life, I was able to, I went to treatment a couple times, still maintained, you know, the, the job I had as things got worse, I switched companies a couple times, but still in the music business. And, and I was so dedicated to that life that it was like, okay, going to go to treatment, going to fix myself, going to dive right back in to the environment that, I at some level know is unhealthy for me, but like it's so wrapped up in my identity. It's so wrapped up in like who I am that I can't see another way beyond going back to this, you know? And I would look for ways that I could justify that. Oh, well, this person's in recovery and they're in the music business and this person. So like I can do it. It can be done. 
the reality is, is like, I just couldn't, you know, and it was a harsh reality when that set in, but I was so broken and in such need of help. Um, you know, my, my addiction progressively got worse and worse, right. Really escalated to, you know, some pretty, some pretty dangerous behavior. Um, that I finally hit that point where it was like, I have to make like a complete full change in my life. And, and it just so happened that around that time when I had, I had left, you know, the music business, I was going, you know, through a longer treatment environment that I, I want to say luckily, but I, I think that it may have something more, there's more than luck involved. Like I got exposed to adventure recovery, which is the company I now am the executive director of and part owner of and growing up being in the outdoors was important to me. Right. Like I, I loved just being outside and, and we went on a lot of like family trips to national parks and hiking and all that. And it, and I loved that stuff. And when I was, when I found that reconnection, I really just took a chance of like, Hey, I, I want to be a part of this. I have no idea what that looks like financially. I have no idea what that looks like from a career standpoint, but I just want it. And, um, and it worked out. And I think I used that drive and ambition that I had had in my previous career, but in a much healthier way in, in this career, you know? Well, and it's such a, it's such a different pace, which is what I yes. appreciate about adventure any type of experiential or adventure based activities is that it really is the the premise is like you know not just the environment and the experiences but a lot of it's reflective and so i think it actually goes back to your piece of just like you know the the mask that you were wearing right on the outside definitely didn't reflect what was going on in the inside any type of adventure recovery or venture therapy type activities like it's impossible to not be honest and real in those moments so yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna like let's do the spotlight. Okay, tell us about adventure recovery. You just said like I'm the executive director and co-owner. Like that's so cool. What does that look like? It looks like the dream that I like sort of never knew I wanted. You know, um, so adventure recovery is um, we're a organization started and based out of Connecticut. We also operate in Colorado. And we do adventure therapy, experiential mentoring, outdoor education, really on a, and I'll use this term sort of loosely on an outpatient basis, right? Clients aren't living with us, but we're meeting with them sometimes once a week, sometimes several times a week to do adventures of their length of choosing. It could be a half day, which is like three hours. It could be a few days out in the field together. You know, we, we work with individual clients. We work with group clients. We train individuals who want more skills in the outdoors, especially as nature is in terms of nature as a recovery pathway. And, you know, it, it is, it's just so fulfilling to, to see the lights turn on for so many clients that I think a lot of times have been labeled treatment resistant or, um, you know, th this, this modality didn't work and this modality didn't work. And, and I get it because, you know, a lot of like I've been in a lot of traditional therapy and, and it can be intimidating to sit in that room just directly across from someone, look them dead in the eye and open up about, you know, your deepest, darkest, whatever. And I was really good at avoiding that. Right. Um, but getting into 
adventure-based activities in the outdoors, like you're talking about, like it, it strips those barriers down, right? It forces you to be vulnerable. It forces you to trust your guide or your mentor or your coach. And the really human connections that can form very quickly are just amazing to see. And, and, you know, everyone on our team from founder on down, um, has a recovery story and identifies with a recovery story and to be able to sort of stand next to your client and be like, I understand what you're going through. Right. And I've been where you're at is a really powerful thing. I love that. Okay. So you kind of already alluded to this before, at least like what your initial vision was of success and kind Mm -hmm. of this, what you were doing, striving for it. So knowing your journey up to this point, right? All the twists and turns. I'm just going to ask you this point blank. Do you see yourself as successful? I see myself as so much more successful than I think I've ever been. And it just, it looks incredibly different than what I thought it was going to look like. Um, You know, is, is adventure recovery doing you know, really well, and are we growing really rapidly? Absolutely, right? Do does that mean I have the same sort of like financial return that I did in my previous career? Like, absolutely not. You know, um, but on a day in day out basis, I am so much more fulfilled, right? I, I feel like my work has meaning. I am passionate, like truly passionate about the field that I work in, and so, you know, it's yeah, I. I for for anyone out there that that thinks success is narrowly defined as you know a financial material thing it's like there's such a broader definition and as someone who was trapped in that box and now has been able to get out of it you know it's it's incredibly freeing and it speaks further to that you know connection of the internal and the external right because the previous way is only defined by external things. Okay. So if you could give one piece of advice to, let's say the example is like this kind of like, you know, career driven early 30 year old that's really struggling, which is again, also outside of the box of usually the advice that I'm giving is like that young adult, but you can also change it open to interpretation, how you want to answer this. But if you could speak to somebody who's, who's struggling in some capacity right now, what advice would you give them? Give yourself the time and wherewithal to take a very honest step back from where you are and really assess kind of what all the signs are pointing to, because um, it's so easy to get, I think, trapped in the moment and in one certain way of doing things. And another another big piece of advice is is listen to those around you, you know trust the people that care about you because certainly along the way, there were a number of people who would ask me like, is this really the right career? Is this really the right fit? Are you happy? And instinctively and without even thinking, I would be like a hundred percent. Yes. Because I wanted that to be so, but I never really considered the question on a real level, you know? So I think try to be as self-aware as you can and listen to those that want to help you. Yeah. I think it, it, I mean, it sounds like that's 
you know, in hindsight, you kind of wish that you had taken some steps back and really, really, really been honest about like, okay, you're asking me this question. I'm not just going to immediately go to like defensive, but also convincing, right? Like, yeah, no, of course, this is exactly what I want. And meanwhile, you're like, you know. Right. And everything's fine. And, and, you know, like, like I, that the word fine, like scares the hell out of me because that's like, when someone says that it's like, cause I say it all the time and still catch myself doing it, but it's like an immediate red flag of like, not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, a hundred percent. I say the same thing. The, the acronym yeah. for fine is what, like fucked up, insecure, like up, neurotic, insecure, yeah. neurotic, yeah, and emotional. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I get the same. Any, any, like, yes, every alarm bell or red flag goes off when somebody's like, "I'm fine." I'm like, "Oh yeah," or or the comic of like the dog in the burning building, right? Where he's like, "Are you sure you're okay?" Like the house that you're in is literally burning around you. Not fine. Everything's fine. Like okay, everything's good. Everything's good. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and for those, and it's like, it's so much further complicated by, you know, like in my case, if you're struggling with substance use, right, you're leaning heavily on substances that are altering your mental state, right? So, so even if I like wanted to have that honest assessment of myself, I don't know that I could have done it. Um, And I hid my troubles and my addictions for a very long time and i hit it really really well being good at hiding an addiction is not success and i kind of equated that it was wow i feel like that was like a mic drop moment like (laughs) truly all right this is this is the last episode of this podcast ever because josh literally just like yeah, you you said what needed to be said, which is like the look. This is what success doesn't look like, and that's how your life is. Like something's really wrong. Woo! All right, well, let's end on that note. So, how do people connect with you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so they can go to our website, which is uh, adventurerecovery.com. They can follow us on Instagram and Facebook and all the other social media channels. Adventure Recovery is our handle for everything. Um, info at adventurerecovery.com. Email address will eventually get to myself. And as I say, like we, we have uh, teams in the Northeast. We have a team in Colorado. Uh, we have eyes on expansion to other territories. And, you know, our goal is just get more people outside, you know, and get them exposed to the magic of what happens out there. I think, you know, we as a society have become so disconnected from the outdoors and, and we were not designed as a species to spend eight, 10, 12 hours indoors, you know, in small boxes with fluorescent riding. There's a reason we feel better when we go outside, you know, and the more people that we can help get out there, the better. So. Well, we'll make sure that all the links uh, and email addresses are in the show notes. And I always end by just thanking the guests. Like, so Josh, obviously thank you for, for, not, not just like coming on the podcast, but being willing to share kind of your journey. Cause there's, I think there's a level of, of vulnerability and exposure that sometimes, you know, even though a guest is saying like, yes, I'll be on your podcast. Then there's kind of the 
question of like how real do I get? And so I just appreciate sure. you for being really real. And um, I always say too that you know somebody's going to listen to this, whether it's a young adult or a parent of a, a functioning addict in in their career, who's going to listen to this and really need to hear it. And I hope that they reach out to you, whether it's to just like seek some support or even just to say thank you for sharing your story because I needed to hear it and it hits a little too close to home right now. But hopefully that you know, kind of sets them on a different trajectory. I hope so too. And, and just, you know, thank you again, Joanna, for doing this and all the amazing work you do in our field. You know, there's, there's a really good people in, in this field, right. And you're definitely one of them. So just super grateful to have the opportunity. Shucks. Thanks. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guests for joining me on this week and for being willing to share your journey. This podcast would not exist if it wasn't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for the next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guests. And also put a face with a voice by accessing their interview on the newly formed Success is subjective.org website. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A at successissubjective.org. I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. You can also download to listen to Success is Subjective on any other popular podcast apps such as Amazon, Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And last but not least... Success is Subjective is listener-supported, made possible by me and by you. You can show support for the continuation of this podcast by donating on the successissubjective.org website. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it. teenager or young adult who seems to have lost their way? Maybe they need help navigating adolescence, adulthood, and decisions surrounding higher education. Or maybe they have become withdrawn, their grades are slipping, or they are flat out living a reckless lifestyle, and you're concerned about their health and well-being. If this describes what your teen or young adult is facing, a therapeutic consultant may be able to help. Mental health, addiction recovery, and higher education can all be equally expensive. While information is everywhere, how do you know what option is the best one for your family? Some parents have the time to research and navigate this on their own. Some don't. If the latter applies to you, enter Therapeutic Consultants. Therapeutic Consultants, like Joanna, listen to your family's specific needs and advocate on behalf of your loved one. TCs will research therapeutic resources, recommend treatment programs, and assist during adulthood transitions. Not being affiliated with any program, their support is completely objective and catered toward the best interest of each unique family. To find a qualified therapeutic consultant to work with, check out TCA, also known as the Therapeutic Consulting Association. Their website is therapeuticconsulting.org, all one word. Again, that's therapeuticconsulting.org. Then click the Find a Pro tab up at the top.